Hey, pal. We're live, pals. Welcome to the first episode of Hey, Pal, I'm Coachable. My name is Eric, and I'm going to be your surrogate pupil, mentee, host, well, guest throughout this whole wild ride. Full disclaimer, ride wildness, results may vary. Thanks for tuning in, even though that's an outdated term. Thanks for, I guess, trudging through 30 seconds of whatever school, college, movie, fast food joint you had to to get through to this podcast and uh, the never-ending cycle of ads that uh, come your way through your ear holes. Who am I? Well, my name is Eric McFarlane, um, also known as Eric Mack, also known as the blocked number, but uh, I'm a sports nerd, essentially. That's the uh, the crux of it. But uh, you might know me as being an NBL1 uh, commentator uh, here in the West, uh, most notably with the Warwick Senators. Uh, I'm also a former EPW commentator. That's EPW Perth, a local wrestling company here in Western Australia, and uh, that's produced some really awesome stars across the globe. Uh, but I had a, a bit of a stage name there of Eric Mack, so you might know me by a few things. Yeah, Eric Mack, Eric McFarlane. Whoa, wow. Try to figure out that conundrum. Um but why? Why am I here uh, in your earbuds uh, coming at you with a podcast? Well, as part of those MBL1 duties, I was uh, very fortunate to be part of a, a podcast that was, I guess, all the best and brightest minds of the MBL1 community, the, the pundits, the commentators, all that uh, malarkey. And we're recording a bit of a preview episode for um, that tournament that was coming up, all of the uh, nation's best basketball teams coming to Western Australia, as it were, in 2023. And uh, at the end of it, everyone's uh, sort of going, oh, well, you can hear me on this podcast and you can hear me there. And I don't know why I turn into a vaudevillian. But uh, yes, these are all the places you can hear me. Eric, where can we hear you? And I just could have went, I've got an Instagram handle. That's pretty cool, right? Um, so I thought, you know what? Another male in his 30s, a white male at that, uh, with a podcast. That sounds like something the world needs more of. And then I thought about it and went, well, I'm toast-coloured, so I guess that gives me a, a unique selling proposition. So we're okay. We uh, can tick a few boxes there. So what is Hey Pal, I'm Coachable? Why is Hey Pal, I'm Coachable? Well, I'm going to have a great assortment of guests come on and, and coach me up on something. 99.99% uh, recurring will be about sports because that is the, the passion and hopefully why you're here too with a, a, you know, a passion and interest in the sporting landscape. But if you've got a hobby, a passion, a, a fandom, um, I'm also wanting to hear from you. I want to know about it. I want to learn about it. I will be your sponge and then I will... I was going to say bring that knowledge out to everyone else. I'm not sure that that passes the uh, the mustard there in 2023. But I will share and, and I will um, be your conduit to, to pass that on because there's so many um, awesome stories out there. Um, at the end of the episode, through whoever my guest uh, is, that sort of experience, I hope that we, we, the listeners, have a new understanding and we, we learn more about the subject. And... Uh, while there'll be plenty of athletes, like uh, today's guest for our first episode, I'd love to hear from everyone. Um, coaches, commentators, photographers, writers, volunteers, fans. If you've got a role, you've got a gym. Wait, no, that's not right. Um, I mean, if you've got a role, you have a story, and I want to hear it. So if you have that story and want to share it, uh, hit me up. 
Um, I've got an email address, heypalamailable at gmail.com, and we'll have all those links uh, associated in all the descriptions and on the social media posts and all that uh, jazz. Uh, so make sure you hit us up. We want to hear. We want a wide range of diverse experiences. Otherwise, it's going to be the same thing over and over, and that's the uh, definition of insanity. Just listen to that. So let's uh, give it a little bit of a change of room and, and get a lot of different um, yeah viewpoints and, and sort of share it because one thing I have noticed in my, I guess, wrestling days that uh, – you know, the, it takes a village and everyone's got this really awesome story. And I should note, it not, wasn't me wrestling. I was just commentating. My, my body's a wreck. If it was a rental, I wouldn't get my bond back. It would just be wasted money. Um, and then also in the NBL1 community, or the, the I guess the general Australian basketball community, there's some really great viewpoints and, and experiences to share. So if that's just only two communities out of the full Australian smorgasbord of uh, sport, there's got to be so much more awesome stuff out there. So I'm so eager to hear those stories and for you to, you know, hit me up and let me know all about it. So how's it going to be done? So the structure-wise, well, our guest interview will be the meat and potatoes of our show. So um, so that's not just like the Howie Games light because Howie Games full strength is pretty good. Um, we'll try out some other segments too. Um, not to encroach on Brett Kirk's feet, but... Uh, we might not always get it right, uh, but, you know, just like you, we care. And we'll do our best to adapt with your feedback and make this a fun part of your podcast rotation. Who's we, you ask? We are Mackenzie McHale and myself. Miss McHale, well, she's a made-up character in the newsroom, so it's just me. Please be gentle, and despite the numerous pop cultural references such as that, that are going to be forcibly squeezed in when really there's there's no reason for them. But, hey, that's what it's about. Hopefully you're here for it. Um, that's enough jibber-jabber for the setting expectations and letting you know what to expect. Let's get right into it today. Um, thank you so much for being here. Let's get to our first guest on the other side of this. Well, our first guest on the podcast, I'm super excited about and I'm really gracious of her time that she's uh, joined us for the premiere. We're talking about Perth Lynx star Chloe Forster. I've been very lucky to see the last couple of years up close and personal as a Senators uh, commentator and just seeing the development in her game to, you know, where she's uh, started from, where she's got to. So as I mentioned in the introduction, it's a really good uh, point to say, okay, what do bath- uh, basketball pathways in WA look like? And Chloe's going to be the person to coach me up. So everyone listening, Chloe Forster, hey, pal. Hello, how are you going? I'm well, thank you very much. And again, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a pretty good day outside, so I appreciate you spending some time and helping to coach me up and let me know maybe I'm probably a bit past my prime, but someone listening along, um, how they go about uh, you know, being a bowler here in Western Australia and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. So um, let's dive straight into it. So first of all, I guess if you want to be a basketballer, uh, whether wherever you are in the world, you've actually got to uh, you know enjoy the game, I would presume. So um, in your early days and growing up, where did that basketball fandom come from? Um, yeah, good question. So I actually grew up as a football player in my family. My dad was a pretty um, talented football player back in the day, so I kind of took 
you know, that from him. And that's what I grew up playing. I also grew up uh, doing athletics and swimming and long distance running, (laughs) really everything under the sun. Um, I didn't actually start playing basketball until I was 11 years old, which was like quite some time after I, you know, had done all my other sports. Um, It was actually my best friend at the time had invited me to one of her domestic basketball games that were short on a few players. So, (laughs) yeah, I got the call up (laughs) there. And, yeah, that was my first game. I think that was back in 2014. Um, Yeah, yeah, so first time touching a basketball, first time playing, um, obviously. And, yeah, I was pretty shocking. Like, I think... (laughs) I was just running. I, I don't know if I believe that, but I reckon there's a bit of modesty there. No, but. definitely. Um, I felt like I was just running, you know, end to end. I barely touched the ball the whole game. But, um, yeah, I think from that game onwards, I kind of fell in love with the sport and then kept coming back each week. And, yeah, that's kind of how I started. So you were, were you just going along to watch or you'd been given the heads up that uh, you were going to be playing that day or, you know, how's that coming about? It's like, hey, when they rocked up and you can only see six people on her team? Yeah, no, she f- knew quite early onwards that they, um, I think they only had the four players for that game. Oh, and less than, so her, okay. Yeah, exactly. So her mum just shot my mum a text and asked if I wanted to fill in and my mum was like, yep, she's free this afternoon. So, yeah, I still remember it was on a Thursday night and... Yeah, it was my first ever time playing. And um, jumping forward, is your mum still your player agent? Is it sending you off oh. with contracts? And- <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I still don't have an agent, so I would consider her um, my agent for now, yeah. <laughs> well, so, um, she's got you into the game, so whoever would be next has got a, a tough uh, tough shoes to <laughs> fill there because, uh, you know, without that fateful phone call, who knows, you know, what, yeah. what could have happened or, or whatnot, given, you know, where you've got to so far, which we're definitely going to touch on. Um, just still keeping that clock rewound a little bit. Um, from that time, you said around 2014, you know, starting to really enjoy the game itself. Did you then start to dive deep into, I guess, basketball here uh, locally, whether that was uh, Lynx or maybe in the Waves around that time as well? Or was it, uh, I guess, international ball that you got more into? What sort of, um, as a fan, what did you enjoy when you were starting to learn the game? Um, to be honest, I actually didn't hear or know of the Lynx until quite late in my yeah. career. I think um, it's probably something that wasn't really, like, I suppose, broadcasted or yeah. promoted. Um so, yeah, it wasn't really something that I ever even knew about until I was quite a bit older. But at that time, we had the local SBL competition going on, which is something that I got um, like very into. All my Wobble friends and teammates, it was like you know, a massive thing to spend your Friday and Saturday night watching the women's play and then the men's team play after that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think because that was you know something I could see and it was visible and people were talking about it at the club, that's... Um, probably my first um like perfect or semi-professional basketball that I got into and became fans of the players there yeah essentially I mean even now the NBL one clubs have that real like community club feel about it still which is really great um you see like not only just like literally with volunteers like that sort of thing sort of breeds that interest and you know that excitement and that energy because everyone's always talking about what's going on through the weekend so yeah, it's hard not to become like a fan of a of club or a culture mm-hmm. or, or something like that once you're involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would, um, my whole team would go down and the whole Wobble teams would really, we'd just be there in the crowd. I remember last 
like my first um, couple of games we went to watch, we just have like three or four rows of kids just sitting along the baseline, like cheering and screaming, taking videos of all the players. And it felt like we were really at like this really sick game. It was such a good like vibe to the night. So with that, um, with that great, I guess, wobble uh, environment, was that where your, I guess, early basketball heroes came? Or can you talk about any sort of um, influences early in your days there from a basketball point of view, whether it was as a fan or whether it was a, a player or a coach around the traps? Um, yeah, I think going to watch the games every weekend, you know, the home games, the away games, you definitely become like quite close to all the players um, in the team. There was a lady, or sorry, there was a girl in our team, Jasmine Martin. She was one of our imports back in the day. Just loved her style of play, the way she played. She was like a total baller. Um, my mom and I actually approached her and I started doing some one-on-one trainings with her back when yeah. I was first beginning to play wobble and um yeah we do some early morning sessions together she was an absolute legend and yeah it's just players like that that you know play like a big role in my life I probably wasn't you know dad probably didn't play a huge role in her life but it's um players like that that really you know make you want to get to the next level and inspire me to you know be like her yeah, for sure. Um, and that's another thing. There's so many people around um, are so willing to give back as well because, you know, she has no need to do that with you as a youngster. And the fact that she's so willing and, and giving of her time is just incredible and mm-hmm. um, obviously has had a big influence on you. Yeah, she was one of the many players that um, I'm super grateful for and I question where I would be without having her, you know, putting me on the right track and getting me to be the player that I am today, really. So how do you get to that point? Obviously, you, you're then looking, I guess, for additional coaching. And so how do you get from that point of, you know, playing footy or track and field or, or whatever it might be, getting that last minute call up uh, because you're, you're, um, your friend's team's short to going, hey, I I actually might be kind of good at this. Um, how am I going to get better and, and sort of, you know, seek out that extra coaching? What's that in-between part look like for you? Yeah, um, it's definitely, like, taken a lot of sacrifice over the year. Like, it got to a point where Wobble was taking up so much of my time as well as all the state programs that are involved with basketball as well that you kind of have to step back and say, all right, I, I don't know if I can keep going with, you know, three, four sports a week. And, yeah, I did have to cut down on football, which was a really tough decision, but I'm absolutely so grateful that I made it when I was um, a bit younger. definitely made it easier for me down the track um yeah and the same with all my other sports like I love swimming I loved athletics but it just got to a point where if you do want to take it you know super seriously then you do have to make those tough decisions um I think having like a mentor as well was a huge uh stepping stone for me I've been working with Andy Stewart for many many years now probably close to five years and he's been along with me for basically my whole journey um and having someone, you know, that knows the sport and knows how it works, um, he's been an absolute, like, without him, I definitely would not be where I am today. He's an absolute legend and has put so much time and effort into me. Um, yeah, and, you know, it tells me things that I need to hear, even when I feel like I don't want to hear him. <laughs> um, my parents make a joke about him being my second dad because we <laughs> spend so much time together. Yeah, at one point in the lead up to my state trips that I went on, we were training three, four times a week and 
you know, he'd be checking on me, making sure I'm doing the right thing all the time. But yeah, just having that guidance from him, even, you know, if we weren't training together, he was helping me out, telling me what I had to do, where I had to, you know, how I had to lift, how I had to eat, all these things yeah. that just like really helped me. And without that advice, like, yeah, God knows where I'd be. Yeah, because there's, there's a, quite a bit of discipline to, you know, know the right programs, whether it is nutrition, whether it is what you do in the gym, because I guess if you haven't got that guidance and that, that direction, you might be putting in a lot of hard work, but maybe in the wrong areas and not really, I guess, streamline onto what's going to work well on the court and, and a basketball career for sure. So having someone like Andy and, and obviously you've had some great mentors and a really great support network there, so, you know, definitely shows us to why, why you are where you are at the moment. Um, I just want to quickly cycle back to something you mentioned there with the, the state trips because um, you're playing wobble, you're playing, um, you know, just that, that, I guess, lower levels basketball at that time. How does that look like when you get into a state team? Does someone go around down and watch this game and go, hey, Chloe, notice you're actually, you know, really good at basketball. Um, come join us on this camp. Come join us on, on this program, whatever it might be. What's that kind of look like there in terms of identifying that, you know, we're going to develop you as the person because we know there's a, a fair bit of ability there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that ever necessarily happened, actually. I think most of the state tournaments, um, all those tryouts and things like that were like open tryouts. So okay. I think it was more so like a come down and try out and see where you end up type thing. Um, I actually didn't get selected for my state – oh, sorry, into a state team until – I was bottom age, top age, under 18s it was. So I oh, had wow. bottom, okay, yeah. Yeah, I had bottom age, under 16s, where I got cut, top age, under 16s, where I cut, got cut, um, and then bottom age, under 18s, where I also got cut from the team. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we can use the, 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 the very famous stories. Like, ah, MJ got cut from his high school team. It's okay. You'll get cut. And that, I mean, in, in all seriousness, that is probably an important message for people starting out, that there's going to be times that you – you might get cut, but it's not the end of the road, is it? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, at the time, it does feel like, you know, the end of the world. True. <laughs> it, hum- yeah. it is a bit humbling, you know, not getting selected, but it's how you react to that situation is the most important thing. Um, you know, I look at those girls that, you know, made the state teams and half of them aren't even playing anymore. So I think yeah, it really ignites a fire in your stomach, you know, to get cut from a team because it, you know, did make me want to work hard and it did make me, you know, train my ass off to make sure it didn't happen again. And yeah, yeah when I first got selected for um, my first state tournament in top age 18s, it was um, the most rewarding feeling ever because I knew that I had, you know, put my heart and soul into making sure I did everything to put myself in the best position to get selected for that. Yeah, and it definitely shows a, a character to, I guess, your coaches and your selectors as well, knowing that, you know, you've been given that that blow um, and I presume that you've given feedback as to why you've cut or at least people around you can give you that feedback and to show that you've come back and, and, and worked and improved upon it shows that you're coachable. Mm-hmm. So you talked about there the, um, the state teams. I'm just going to quickly, I guess, sideways steps to uh, the Senators and, because uh, it's, it's my podcast, I, I don't have to pretend I don't have a team, but on the on the call on the NBL one, we have to be yeah. a little bit more generic and, and, you know, pretend that we're just hoping that both teams have fun. But um, talking about the Senators, um, how, do, how does that happen that, you know, 
you start to get a look into their program, whether it's um, inching towards at that time the, the SBL or the MBL1 program. So how, how does that look like that the senators go, hey, you're doing some really great stuff at this level. We want to start to see you look at, you know, our, our top level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all started quite early for me uh, with the senators. I was always pretty lucky in um, the fact that they had like a lot of faith in me at such a young age. Yeah. I got the call up quite early to play in the women's D-League team, yeah. um, which involved me training with the, it was SBL at the time, but I, yeah, now MBL1, um, yeah. but I was training with that group of girls, I think from when I was 15, 16 years old, yeah. um, was definitely the youngest in the group at the time and definitely the most <laughs> nervous and shy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it just started with me playing or filling in for a couple of daily games. And then mm-hmm. eventually I found myself playing for both the under-18s team as well as the daily game. So, yep. yeah, my mom was an absolute legend and a half to <laughs> take me to, you know, two games on a Sunday morning. Um, but, yeah, and then I suppose just from there, um, that's just kind of the pathway I went down. The coaches noticed in daily that I must have been travelling okay and eventually – yeah, that's where I got my first SBL contract. Yep. And uh, just you should always be good to your parents, but for, you know, important advice to those who are trying to, you know, go down your path or forge your own path, be really nice to your parents because they end up being your taxi for a lot of this time as well. Is that right? Yeah, that is exactly right. The amount of trainings and early mornings and <laughs> late <laughs> nights that my mum and dad, like, have had to do with me, especially, you know, when I didn't have my licence back when I was younger, yeah. Oh my gosh, I really don't know how they had the time for their own lives because they were just too busy running around after me and my sisters. It, it's funny, parents. It's it's the old things like um you know in an emergency situation they get super strength, but uh, I guess with um you know kids and having sporting commitments they somehow get an extra couple of hours in the day. I don't know how they do it, but they find a way yeah. and you know, yeah. they do those little things and and it's a bigger part of the people around you that do sacrifice and and, and support and help you along the way, which is, you know, just amazing when you have such a great network. Um, Just then touching on the the SBL contract, you mentioned that, you know, obviously you've been doing all those things in the the D-League and the under-18s and and all of that. So how do you get that news that you're being offered the uh, SBL contract? Is it a call? Is it, you know, come to the office sort of thing? And and, and who's delivering that message for you? Um, So it was the head coach at the time uh, was Dion D'Agostino. Yeah. Um, he was involved in the program, I think, for a couple of years. But um, in his first year of coaching, uh, me and a couple of the younger girls, you know, were training with the team in preseason, doing all the fitness testing with them. And, yeah, it was actually at training one day. He pulled me aside and told me the news. Still yeah. remember to this day how I felt because I was so absolutely mind-blown. Um, yeah, I was 15 at the time and I yeah. – knew that I wanted to play uh, for the team and I knew that I wanted mm-hmm. to play SBL for Warwick. But for it to happen so early, I was um, like totally baffled at the time. I think I went home <laughs> and cried, cried to my mum. But, yeah, it was just an awesome day to, yeah, be offered that contract. So did it completely take you off guard? Like you weren't expecting it at all despite how you, your ball had been progressing uh, to that point? Uh, yeah, no, I definitely wasn't expecting anything. I just felt like um, 
I almost get imposter syndrome with those things. Yeah. Like uh, I know that I work hard and I know that I, you know, put in so much effort and I'm training, I'm doing all the right things. But when it gets rewarded, you know, with a contract at 15 years old, I think like, yeah, I genuinely could not believe it. Oh. And uh, I mean, 15 and it's, it, there's, and I'm, I'm going to pump your tires a little bit here, but it's pretty special talent that gets those opportunities because there's a lot of talent that, that obviously goes through those junior programs across all the clubs, not only uh, here in the West for us, but across the country. Uh, we saw the the strength of the, the Coburn side this year as well with their 16-year-olds as well. So it takes some really special talent to get that opportunity early. So, you know, I can see how it might have taken you off guard, but it obviously shows that the, the, the people who knew a thing or two about a thing or two knew what was going on there, that they identified that early for you. Um, so with that, then you're, you're on the, on the team and, I think you correct me if I'm wrong here and do it politely, please. This is the first episode, but um, your debut was back in 2019 then. And you were what, 16 when you made your debut or 15 um, when you played against Perth, I think it was. Yeah, that's correct. That was my debut game. Um, I believe I was still 15 at the time. Yeah. Probably Seems like an age ago now, 2019. Yeah. just We've uh, aged 20 years since. But... Yeah, exactly. It feels like it. Um, yeah, that was my first game. And I still remember how I feel um, that day. That whole day I was freaking out a little bit. Um, my dad actually drove me to the game and yeah. gave me some really good advice. He just said, you know, treat it like any other game. Um, just go out there and play. And to be honest, I didn't actually know if I was even going to play, you know, being my first game yeah. at 15 years old. Um, I know that we were missing quite a few players early on in the season just because you know girls were in Europe playing and girls were coming back from injury so it kind of all aligned that um I actually did end up getting on the court quite early and I think I played close to 23 minutes that game yeah um it's around that mark yeah I haven't got the stats but I was digging deep it was like uh Scrooge McDuck and that money bottle just digging in basketball stats before I spoke to you and so yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't like, for one of a better term, I don't think there's any such thing as token minutes in an NBL one team. But it wasn't token minutes. It wasn't just a couple of minutes. It was a pretty handy shift for your first day. Yeah, yeah, I definitely remember getting told to, you know, sub on in the first quarter. I was like, oh wow, like this is really happening right now. Yeah. Does it take you a moment or two to, you know, you say, wow, it's really happened? But once you get on the court, is there still a bundle of nerves, or does it kind of get into I guess, uh, basketball mode, you go, okay, I know my stuff on here to a degree. You don't go in like, you know, head full of knowing everything, but were there nerves in that first game from what you can recall? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think for a moment, um, I was definitely very nervous, but I think once you get in the groove of it, you know, I think maybe the first time I touched the basketball or, um, you know, had a feel for the game, I kind of settled down quite quickly. So, I mean, you got a fair bit of time in that, that first year, um, just having a look back at it. And um, obviously it went through to a grand final in your, in your first year against uh, Rockingham. So um, can you remember much about that first season or how you ended up feeling at the end of the season about your, your basketball? Obviously it would have been tough with the grand final loss. That obviously, you know, kind of, I guess, is a bit heavier to think about when you finish a season of any sport. But can you think about how you were feeling about at the end of that first season in the SBL program as it was then? Yeah, um, I think that first year I was just trying to, you know, be like a sponge and absorb as much as I could 
we were training with some really, really talented players like Stacey Barr. That was her first year with yep. that group. And we also had um, Mac was still in the team there. That was her first year as well. So I think um, just competing with these girls and even though I wasn't probably playing the most minutes towards the end, towards the end of the season once all the players came back, um, yep. just being around those girls and around that kind of professional environment, um, I was just taking away as much, you know, from every training that I could. Yeah. And yeah, to make a grand final in my first year, it was pretty insane. Um, I was definitely super nervous that game. I do remember how nervous I was and the rest of my team probably know still because I was <laughs> mad stressed that game. Um, what does that look like? If you're, The rest of your team sees it. Is it things that you're saying or is it just like they just look over and, you know, all of a sudden you're like your eyes are bugging out yeah, or something like that? What, what's that look like? Um, yeah, I go super quiet and <laughs> I can't really talk to anyone, um, yeah. even though I was so young and I definitely was not a star player back then. Um, I think the team just found it quite funny that I was so stressed <laughs> for really <laughs> no reason. But yeah, I just go super quiet. I don't really like to talk to anyone. I just get in my own little my own little lane and I stay in my own lane <laughs> before a game. Do you find that still happens in, in big games? I know we're jumping uh, around a little bit here, but uh, have you found ways to, I guess, control that or is it not as big an issue now that you have played in some, some pretty big um, mm-hmm. championship games? Yeah, to an extent, I think so. It's definitely something that um, I don't struggle with it, but it definitely yep. comes up every now and again. But, um, you know, through my experience, I guess I found ways to kind of bring myself back to you know, things that um, I can control, like, you know, the team and bringing energy to the girls and talking and all these things that kind of help me get out of my own head. Because, yeah, if I do have a game where I do get in my head, it um, definitely affects my performance quite a bit. Um, well, let's let's jump a little bit forward then. Um, and we'll get a little bit closer to some of those championship games because there's some really, really positive memories there, of course, as well. Um, but I mean, the way I saw it, and admittedly, it was my first year in the league as a, as a commentator, so it kind of was a perfect storm. But I really thought your, your third season there in 2022 was a real breakout season um, in terms of, you know, getting that notoriety. And we'll, we'll touch on what that meant at the end of the NBL one season in terms of um, WNBL honours and whatnot. But do you sense anything different going into that 2022 season uh, as, a, as an individual um, before we look at, I guess, the team success that, that followed? Um, yeah, I think so. I had just spent a whole year, the months leading up to that NBL one season with the Lynx as a training player. Yep. Um, and that involved uh, me training with the team, you know, every day for six months. Um, and I think that that definitely like sparked a new passion and um, kind of made me want to, you know, go out and show that I can compete at that level when I do have what it takes to play at that level um I think also I was still working with Andy quite a bit um during that time and yeah he kind of said to me that like you just have to go and and just play um I had a couple of successful state tournaments as well leading up to that uh season as well so I think everything just kind of aligned and yeah I just knew that um I knew I had what it took and I knew that I had done the work and um yeah it was just about going out there and showing everyone that you know this is who I am now and kind of putting my foot down and giving everyone a taste of the player I am now 
Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there that, that, that training opportunities with the links at that time, it's kind of that iron sharp as iron. You, you're there against, you know, that tippy top talent and you're more than holding your own and that, you know, your own, that must give you that confidence going into that season um, for sure. Um, so th- apart from that, there wasn't really anything else that you may be prepared differently or, you know, just that constant evolution of, of how your game was going? Yeah, that's right. Um, pro- It's probably the most I've trained in my whole life like it was a very tough tough schedule that I had um with my obviously my under 20s uh state tournament leading up to the season as well and then yeah with the Perth Lynx as well having players like Marina Mabry, Jackie Young, Sammy Wickham, Darcy Garbin like all these absolutely high level players that I was going up against every day um kind of makes you realize that you know you think you're working hard there's people working harder so always um yeah just trying to be the best that you can and yeah I think I did that pretty well leading up to that season so something I've, I've noticed so far in our chat is that you know that working hard do you do you think that's one of your strengths is is I know it's one of those harder things especially you spoke about imposter syndrome earlier on it's like hey you give yourself a rap but do you think your you, your work ethic and putting in the hard work is one of your strengths and that's sort of the reason that you are where you are at the moment yeah, uh, definitely. It's It's been a journey, to say the least, but I yeah. think having all these, you know, people in my life um, pushed me to where I need to be as well, yeah. you know. You know, I keep talking about Andy, but having him as my mentor and as my coach and also having my parents. Um, yeah. I had so many conversations with my mum and dad when I was younger and especially my dad playing that high-level football. He pulled me aside one day and I was chatting to mum and dad and he said but like if you want to make it like what you're doing right now isn't enough and I was quite um angry I guess when he told me this because (laughs) you know I felt like I was doing enough I was training with my under 18s wobble team I was in the d-league team was training with the SBL team at the time Um, I was doing a couple of sessions a week with Andy but you know he told me like we had a basketball court at the back of my house and um he was like if you want to make it like you have to live and breathe basketball. Like this is, you know, you have to be doing your ball handling. You have to be shooting. You have to be, you know, getting your reps up. And I think just having that from such a young age has definitely made me um, work. I always just want to be like the hardest worker in the room. That's my goal for every training, for every game. Like, you know, you might not, you know, score the most points or have the most assists, but, you know, you can control how you play defense. You control... Uh, the amount of times you box out, all these little things that are just yeah. hard work. And I suppose that's what I pride myself on being. Yeah. I mean, we, we mentioned a couple of times in commentary, it's almost like a, uh, a meme. If uh, if commentators had profiles, which trust me, we don't need. Um, we're not the stars, <laughs> um, which like some commentators in other sports like to think. But one of the memes or one of the running commentaries we always have, you almost play as if you have a hard hat on because you are doing the tough things, you know you are working hard. It doesn't really matter, you know, what's coming your way and whatnot. So, yeah, you, definitely that, that shines through with, with how you, you play on the court. And, you know, it's good to, to hear and, and obviously for our listeners as well that that's not just something that just switches on. It's because of an accumulation of hard work and doing those things off the court um, that, that lead to being that sort of player on the court. And, yeah, it's just it is fascinating to listen to. So um, thank you for sharing that. Um Moving a little bit further into that 2022 season, well, let's go right towards the end. Uh, you guys 
you know, uh, at the Warwick Centre that's had a really awesome streak going there um, sort of halfway through the year. Uh, we won't talk about the CLE game because people forget that that was in the middle there. So technically the streak is kind of broken. But the important, <laughs> but the important yeah, we thing... we won't talk about that today. <laughs> no, we won't, we won't talk about it. But yeah. this is like... When we went to Nationals last year, jumping ahead, it was just like, and Warwick are not being beaten since. I'm like, mm, well, that's kind of it. Anyway, but <laughs> let's talk about the good stuff. The um, the, the grand final. Um, so you, you guys qualified through to, um, you know, play uh, Williton. Um, talk me through the game or if there's anything before that you wanted to, you know, mention from that season. But, um, yeah, what was it like getting back to a grand final with a team that, you mentioned earlier with your 2019 season was still a large core of the same people. You mentioned Mac, Stacey Barr. I think Nicole was obviously there in 2019. I might have got my timelines right or wrong there. but mm-hmm. So it was pretty much the same core that you, you sort of uh, grew up with. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's what's so special about this team um, is that we've been with each other through everything. You know, we've I've grown up with the girls and, you know, I was playing with girls that are now coaching and, everyone's just so connected and it's such a great team in terms of our relationships with each other like and I think that's why we were so successful specifically in the 2022 season just like it just got to the point where like there was no ego there was no attitude like it was genuinely we were just playing for each other every single game and going into that grand final I have never been so confident in a game in my life it was I called it like halfway through the year. As soon as we had our full team, I was saying to people, like, we are going to win the grand final. Like, there is absolutely no way this team is not the best in this league right here, right now. And I know that sounds kind of like cocky and up myself, but I just knew that we had such a special group and we were so talented, but it's just the way that, um, you know, everyone was so selfless. Um, You know, there was no like there was no issues there was nothing wrong with the team we were just an absolutely great team that you know we all wanted to win and we all had this we all knew how we had to get there and yeah like literally going into that grand final I can honestly say that I wasn't even that nervous I just felt so confident and I knew what we had to do and yeah it was just a 40 minute game um yep and that's kind of how we all viewed it I think we just you know, we had to go in hard and play like we had all season, and we did, and it showed. I can't remember the exact score, but I know that it wasn't a close game whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't recall the exact score off the top of my head, but you're right. It was it was a pretty comprehensive win. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, one of the things you mentioned there, obviously you, the, you had the core group of guys there as well, but obviously in that year as well, um, um, you know, Nat joined as well, uh, which that's a heck of a lot of experience to come come join a team and, and ability mm-hmm. to say the least as well. Uh, Leo was part of the team as well, I think from uh, halfway through. So yeah. um, just absolutely star studded. And, you know, you say that it might be seen as, as, as up yourself or, or what might, what may be cocky, but you've got to have that belief. If you, you're going to be a, you know, a dominant or a successful elite athlete or team, you've got to go in knowing that you can do it. You can't sort of go in by by half measures because start second guessing yourself off the court and that's when it comes to second guessing yourself on the court. Is that mm-hmm. I guess the mentality behind that? Yeah, exactly. Um I think we all just knew that we were the best team in the league. I yeah. think it's as simple as that. Like, you know, we had won, I think 
potentially 18 games in a row, disregarding that COE game that you so Don't know what you're talking up. about. What, what COE game? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, but I think it was the 18-game winning streak that we had yep. going into the grand final. Um, and we just knew that that was going to keep continuing. Like, I never had a doubt in my mind that, you know, we were going to lose that game. Um, you guys have got such a strong bond off the court as well. Um, that certainly would have helped uh, because when you, you know, had the uh, the big championship victory, within a week you were rushing off to Melbourne to play in the, the first ever NBL One Nationals. Uh, how was the vibe or, you know, what was, what was that like going from the highs of winning a championship as a really close-knit group to going, oh, shoot, we've got to quickly get onto a plane and and, and head over to uh, Melbourne. What was that sort of experience like? We'll touch on the game specifically in a moment, but just the, I guess, the in-between and getting yourself prepped to play games in such a turnaround from a championship. exactly right. So, yeah, we were obviously celebrating our grand final win and the next weekend we were on a plane to Melbourne, which was pretty insane. And obviously the first time WA has been involved in any sort of competition like that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said before, my parents are my biggest supporters and they always have been and they always will be. Um, yeah. But even they were like, they were like, oh, do we do we come over? Do we watch? And I think that probably just coming from WA and, you know, WA is a bit stereotypically probably not as great as the other states. Um, just, you know, based on state teams and things like that. Um, from like a basketball, like history or just like how the other states maybe view us yeah that's I I suppose like a bit of both I mean both of my state trips I had been in you know you play a team like Victoria New South Wales and you know you kind of get a a look into how talented you know these other states are and I think that's kind of what I was thinking um you know going into the NBL one tournament I was thinking like wow like you know like where do we stand like you really have no idea um we were just going over and we had no expectations whatsoever. Even our coach Janelle was like, you know what, like we've already proven ourselves over here. Let's just go and have a weekend of fun, really. Um, yeah. Obviously, we wanted to win as many games as we could, but there was really no expectations on us. Like, I, you know, there was no pressure at all. Um, you know, I think we were happy just to, you know, go over and be playing, you know, a couple more games together. Yeah. And um, with that, and, and I will touch back on, on Coach Morley very quickly because I know that um, she's always big on the, you know, even, you know, with your regular season, it's like it should be fun to play as well. So, you know, still keep that enjoyment for the game, uh, even if there are high stakes as well. But speaking of high stakes, the championship game against Ringwood, uh, can you recall much about that day in terms of how you're feeling emotion-wise heading into it as well? Because as you just mentioned, you went into the, the weekend with not really any expectations, go have fun, play ball together. Um, um, but then all of a sudden you're there on the, the bright lights of the, the, I guess the showpiece for what the NBL one wanted as a, a Australia wide league was, the, you know, having that national championship game. Yeah. Um, waking up on that Sunday morning was absolutely brutal. I don't think I've ever been more tired heading into wow. a game in my life. Um, and here I am, you know, I was, 19 years old at the time and I have you know players like Nick in my team who was actually double my age so she was (laughs) 40 years old um and playing you know three games in the space of three days and it was just 
absolutely so physically draining. We yeah. flew in on the Friday morning into yeah. Melbourne and we actually played our first game on the Friday night. Um, yeah, that's and right. Having, having to back that up on the Saturday and then having to, you know, arrive at the stadium, I think at like 9.30 a.m. on the Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah it was an early start. Yeah, I was um, struggling big time. My body felt like it had been hit by a bus that morning. Yeah, the the not so fun part as well because I remember you know your spoiler alert you guys won it um, for those who are listening, but I, I remember um, you guys had to race off pretty quickly as well because I was uh, hanging around like a um, to use a wrestling term a mark. I was like, oh, can I get a photo, please? Because I was like, first season. Team, I commentate. Yes, they won <laughs> yeah. um, But you guys had to race off pretty quickly as well, which wouldn't have been great for the recovery. And although I, I guess the uh, adrenaline and uh, a high of winning the championship may have may have helped that out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, we actually yeah had to race back to the hotel after the game and yep. get packed up. I really luckily got selected to do a drug test after the game which was my oh, first, really? <laughs> first time doing a drug test yeah yeah so um I had to get my roommate Alyssa to pack up all my things for me because yeah. I was not able to go back to the hotel in time wow. um yeah which was pretty mad um but she did a very good job of packing my things up so thanks <laughs> Alyssa <laughs> didn't, didn't leave yeah. any medals or anything behind yeah <laughs> no nothing was left so thank gosh but yeah, yeah um yeah, I did the drug test and then was out. I had to shower at the stadium. My suitcase was brought to me by my team manager. And, yeah, I think then we watched the men's team play the last yeah. half of their game. Um, and, yeah, that was basically it. Then we had wow. to drive back to the airport and we were off back to Perth. Yeah. Wow. Let's see. I did. Wow. That's uh, You forget about those parts of the game as well, the, you know, the important but not so glamorous part. But, uh, you know, and I mean this completely tongue-in-cheek before anyone reads anything into it, but I can see why they did because you had a hell of a game. Um, I know that uh, we were talking about it in the commentary booth because um, I was fortunate enough to be selected to call the game alongside Laurie Chiswick and uh, Damien Arsenis from, um, from Victoria. And we had to play a part in voting who was the, I guess, the, the best on ground or the, the MVP. And um, it, it went to Leo, obviously, just a huge game, points and um, and also boards and just everything just kept mm-hmm. on having such a awesome end of that season for you guys. But we had a serious discussion about your little peek behind the curtains, like, okay, well, where do we rate Chloe's game? Because you had the, the 18 points, the five assists, and I thought when the, the big moments came, I think there was a couple of buckets you made that were just to those important transition points of the game. So apart from just wrapping wrapping you up there and, you know, just saying how awesome you were, do you how do you sort of approach like games like that when you whether it's a big moment, whether it's a shot or, you know, I know one of your trademarks is that you do like to drive the lane, just, you know, take on all comers and, and any traffic really. Um, how do you set yourself mentally for those big moments when they come in the game? Is it something you consciously think about or is it just something is just like instinct because you're playing ball? Um, yeah, something I focus on going into a game is just yeah, definitely doing those little things that you can control. Um, obviously, every game, you're not going to be on your best shooting game or maybe sometimes, you know, you're going to be a little bit switched off in terms of, um, you know, running your offences and whatnot. But I think it's just the little things. I try and focus on um, getting a stop in my first possession of defense, whether that's a steal or, you know, deflection or making my girl turn the ball over, just little yeah. things like that, that I can really, you know, hone in on and think of and, um, 
really execute without putting too much pressure on myself. It's something that I've done even from when I was a junior, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would have games where you would struggle to, you know, hit the side of a barn, but it's all those little things that you can control. Um, Or even if it's, you know, getting a really good defensive rebound or setting your teammate up with a really good pass, just those little things. And I think that once you've done one thing, the rest of your game kind of flows from that. Whereas if you focus so much on, you know, oh, I really want to score this amount of points this game, and you know, you've, you're going to start shooting differently. You know, you might start missing shots that you don't normally miss, but yeah. if you've got that pressure on and that's your goal, um, yeah, it definitely affects the way that um, you'll play in the end. Yeah. Um, you mentioned there as part of that weekend, you you stuck around and, and watched the the men's side there, Rockingham, uh, obviously uh, coached by your current coach as well at WNBL level. So, um, you might have been keeping tabs on on how the men's did there, but uh, they're certainly keeping tabs on you with the links and how you're going. So you ended up getting that uh, developmental player contract uh, for the end of that season. How's that? Like, uh, how are you notified? Let's go to the, the the awesome moment about finding out that you know that hard work you've put in, not only with the throughout the year and the years beforehand, but obviously you've left an impression there when you were a training player. How do you get notified, and 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 what's that like? What's the feeling like? Yeah, so I got the call on the Friday afternoon um, while I was actually sitting down with the rest of my Warwick team. Um, We were eating lunch before we played our game that night. We had just landed in Melbourne. Oh, wow. So you find out before the Nationals. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, wow. Yeah. so we did get. Yeah, we did get told that we'd find out on that Friday. So the whole day I was absolutely so nervous and I knew that obviously Ryan would know um yeah <laughs> because he obviously <laughs> of course yeah elections um and I did see him at the airport that morning but I think I was too nervous to look him in the eye just in case you know I hadn't actually <laughs> got the spot um he'd probably yeah, smoke I, at you no no yeah. just just a little bit about Ryan I don't know him that well yet but like I'd probably just give you a probably smoke he might have given it away I reckon but yeah I think that's what I, I was too nervous to find out though you know like what yeah if I had, um not gotten it and then you know I was off to play this massive weekend of oh, basketball true, yeah. I would have been a mess <laughs> yeah but um yeah it was a phone call by Sam who is the operations manager for the Perth yeah. Lynx um and yeah she called me and let me know that I was successful in getting the development player spot um and yeah me not being able to control my emotions at all just stood up <laughs> in on the table in front of my whole team and started squealing and screaming with joy um while I was might have given it away yeah exactly (laughs) right um I was still on the phone to Sam so I did a really poor job of um (laughs) keeping cool there um yeah you know she said congratulations and then hung up the phone and was able to celebrate then and there with you know my whole team next to me so you didn't have to keep it I I guess um Again, so I apologize to all of our listeners. I'll randomly say wrestling terms because I'm a bit of a nerd, but you didn't have to keep it kayfabe. You didn't have to keep it in-house. You were allowed to sort of share it with them knowing that they were around you? Um, I actually Or was it just think... like too bad, so sad? Yeah, happened. I don't think I was supposed to tell anyone until oh, okay. a couple of days later. But yeah, yeah sorry, uh, sorry, Sam and Perth Lynx people. You, you signed tell... the contract now. Inkster, yeah, it's I, all good. I, I did tell... Um, yeah, obviously my team, and I gave my mum and dad a call straight away and they were absolutely yeah. thrilled for me. So, yeah, I probably broke a couple of rules by doing that, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Hell of a fortnight, that, for you. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, 
probably the best fun I've had playing basketball in a hot minute that was. So, yeah, yeah I was definitely grateful uh, for that. I mean, obviously, it's a huge opportunity and and does obviously nod to, you know, how well you developed up until that point. But um, you mentioned that you play a lot of played a lot of basketball, a lot of training and things like that. So um, um, this might be, I guess, an ignorant question, but does life change significantly for you at that point? Because do you essentially be just become a, a full-time, all-year-round pro bowler once that's done? Or do you still have to have some sort of foot in the uh, uh, quote-unquote real world as well still? Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of both, really. Um, during the NBL one season, I um, am still studying. I'm still at yep. uni, um, studying sports science at UWA uh, in my second year. Um, so I suppose that is kind of, you know, a bit of a reality check, still having to do that, even though I do enjoy it a lot. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it is, I suppose, a full-time job now, like, you know, looking after your body, making sure you're eating right, making sure you're lifting right doing all the things that um, a professional athlete would do is, yeah, now my new life. Um, But, yeah, just in terms of other things, like I am still working uh, casually here and there. Um, I'm doing a little bit of coaching as well, just things to kind of keep me busy while we're still in pre-season at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just a few more, uh, because now that we've got into, I guess, the Lynx era, um, Sorry, just open up the latest NBA 2K. So I've got errors in my head. But um, the the Lynx era part of your career so far, um, just want to touch on your emotions when you did debut. So I believe it was against uh, Melbourne. Um, was it away or at home? What, what was that like? And can you recall those first minutes on the WNBL court? Yeah, it was away in Melbourne. That's right. Yeah. Um uh, Sammy Wickham actually had injured her back, I believe, in a previous game while the team was away. So I actually got a call from Ryan on a random, I think, Thursday morning maybe. And yeah. um, he just casually asked me what I was doing on the weekend. <laughs> I thought it was quite <laughs> random. But I thought it was quite random as I was still in Perth and he was in Melbourne. Um, yeah. And I told him I wasn't doing much. And he said, yeah, well, we're going to fly you out to Melbourne and you're going to play in this game. And I absolutely freaked out because that was my first time, you know, going away and travelling with the girls. Um, yeah. And it was so much fun and absolutely awesome experience. But, yeah, leading up to that game, I had been told by Ryan that I was most likely going to play. Um, I think we had a couple of games coming up that really were quite important and we had to win. But this Melbourne yeah. game specifically – he didn't really – I don't think it really mattered if we won or lost. Um, so he let me know that, you know, I was going to hit the floor. And, yeah. yeah, I did for seven minutes, I believe. It was the most I'd played in any WNBL game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's the same feeling, you know, when I was a 15-year-old kid debuting for Senators in 2019. You know, I was still super yeah. nervous. Um, but, yeah, same thing. Like, once I, you know, touched the ball for the first time, then – all that um, nervous feeling kind of goes away and you just, you know, lock in and just play the game that you've played hundreds and hundreds of times before. Yep. So fast-forwarding a little bit there, not um, not to obviously scoot past um, uh, Perth at all because that's where we're, we're heading in terms of the destination of this conversation as we get on to the home stretch. But you know, throughout 2023, um, you 
you won the Youth Player of the Year award in the NBL One West. Obviously, a, a, a fair old feather in your cap for how well your game is still evolving. Um, really great season then, personally for you for the Senators. Um, although not the the ending of the season that the the team would have wanted. What do you take out of uh, the season here for for Warwick, knowing that obviously you still had the Nationals game, you you missed out on the the championship game there by what two points if. You know, it goes the other way against Coburn. What what do you and the the squad, I guess, take out of that twenty twenty three season? Yeah, I think uh, last season was a huge um, opportunity for us to learn as a team. I think it's yep. always hard um, backing up, you know, a season where you've just won twenty one games straight and yep. prove that you are, you know, the best team in the league. I think every team we versed, you know, was trying to prove that. Um, you know, they were better than us in a way. Like, it's like every yeah. team was out to get us in a way. Oh, yeah. Become um, the hunted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And that was super challenging, you know, all season, just having that, like, target on our back. Um, but, yeah, I think we've, you know, learned so much as a team. Uh, you know, it has been the same core group of girls for mm. so long now. So it's about... um you know, like finding ways to communicate to each other, how some people take feedback, how other people take feedback. Um, What can you say to one girl that you can't say to another? And I think being a part of the leadership group um, under players like Nat and Nick and Mackenzie, I was the youngest player in that leadership group. And I think it's, you know, taking key things that, you know, experienced players like those girls, you know, can bring to the table. Um, yeah, and I feel like because of having all those conversations with them and having our little leadership meetings, it has definitely made me more of a um, better leader, I suppose. I think that normally I try and, um, you know, keep quiet to myself and, you know, I'll talk when I'm needed to talk. But I think taking on that bigger role this season's definitely um, elevated my game to a new level. Yeah, definitely. Well, it certainly has because uh... – not only you got that Youth Player of the Year award, uh, uh, the the runner-up MVP at the, the Senators Awards night as well the other day. Um, hopefully this podcast releases this week, otherwise that dates itself, that reference. But um, but you also then got that main roster contract with the Lynx. So how rewarding is that um, coming into the 23-24 season? And and I guess the overall thoughts and emotions heading into to this season with the preseason currently in progress. Yeah, exactly. Um I am. I don't think I've ever been more keen for a season to start. I feel like this is something that I've been working towards, you know, since I played my first Wobble game and since I went to my first Perth Lynx game. Um, I've always known that I wanted to play for this team. Um, yeah. And, yeah, same thing. I probably didn't expect it to happen so fast, but we're here now. And, um, yeah, it's just about showing up and, you know, pushing the girls as much as I can, proving – myself to you know the coaches and yeah showing that I can play at this level um but yeah I suppose that's all kind of done in pre-season so we actually officially start in two days time yeah so yeah I'm just keen to get out on the court and um you know do what I do and yeah yeah, exactly right I'm just super 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 excited to actually get to play at this level and you know be able to call it my job now yeah Oh, man, that's it. It's incredible to, to have your, your dream job, which obviously it's still it's a job because you've got to put all the work in, but to have your dream job, you know, not a heck of a lot of people can say that for sure. Um, so with that in mind, um, 
Have you got any personal goals for this season or the season ahead now that you've you've earned that main roster spot or ones that you can, you know, share, so to speak? Um, yeah, I would like to keep improving. I am still, you know, on the hunt to become the best player I can be. I still want to be in the best shape of my life. I still want to be, you know, as strong as I can be, as fast as I can be. There's all these little things that I, you know, would like to improve on. Um, but yeah, I would love to be playing minutes in this squad. I think um, Ryan's plan is to be playing me as the backup point guard under Ari. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose my goal is to you know push her and challenge her and um, yeah, outplay her if that's the case. I mean, I know she is in the WNBA and I know <laughs> she is an absolute baller, but I mean, having her um, you know, guard me and me guarding her every single practice, you know, once she does get to Perth, I think that's going to absolutely um like skyrocket my development just you know having an absolute baller like her um yeah by my side every single practice I think that's an opportunity that I'm you know nervous to take on but you know very excited to take on um I've watched her play a couple of games and I've watched her highlights and man she is legit so yeah I suppose um and not just her obviously we've got some absolute guns in our team this year so just pushing everyone and um yeah, just playing minutes, I suppose. That's my goal this season, to work my way into the team um, and I suppose bring that leadership that I had with the Warwick girls um, and, yeah, bring that to the Lynx girls. Yeah, awesome. And it's going to be an exciting um, exciting year for, for Lynx and, and yourself. And um, it wouldn't be uh, uh, my podcast if I didn't use a cringeworthy pun as a transition. So from a dream signing in Ari, um what would be, I guess, to put a bow on this, if you, you know, were speaking right now to that, you know, maybe they're, they're six or eight around that age bracket and they want to chase their basketball dreams, what would be, I guess, the the important or the standing bit of advice you would give to them right now? Oh, that is a tough one. One piece of advice. Come on, let's test out those leadership skills, Chloe. <laughs> yeah. I think that... um if you want to do something like it's going to be hard, nothing comes easy in life. Um, but yeah, just put yourself to the test and absolutely make sure you're the hardest worker in the room. And yeah, if you want to achieve something, just know that you can do it and it is possible. Like, I mean, I've done it. I'm now a Perth Lynx player, which is yeah, crazy for me to say, but, um, it's something, you know, a goal I set myself years ago and now, I'm here and it's just, yeah, all that hard work and all the sacrifices that you have to make leading up to that moment. It's something that you've got to do, but trust me, it sure as hell pays off in the long run. Yeah, no, it sure has. Imagine if you're giving that advice to someone who doesn't pick up the game just because their friend calls randomly when they're (laughs) short. So, no, that's exactly Exactly right. right. Uh, awesome and, and working hard is definitely the the message that I think we've got coming out of not only this um, conversation today but the way that we do see you play. So um, thank you so much for joining us. So you mentioned there that preseason's about to get underway. By the time this one drops, we'll probably be in the throes of preseason. But uh, obviously gearing towards round one, which is the first of November this year. Um, so if you haven't already, make sure that you're following all the WNBL socials, the Perth Lynx socials. Um, obviously get yourself a membership if you haven't got there. And, you know, that is a bit of a commitment there. Just make sure you get down to a few of the games um, because the Bend Out is a wonderful place to watch basketball. And, you know, you mentioned just briefly and a little bit of the roster there for the Lynx. It's going to be a very exciting team to watch. So 
Um, if you want to continue watching along on not only Chloe's journey, but the Perth Lynx's journey, where they're going this year, definitely is going to be an exciting season. Chloe, thanks so much for joining us. Um, any final words you wanted to put out there or where can we find you? Anything like that before we wrap up today? Um, yeah, sure thing. My Instagram is Chloe Forster with two R's at the end. Um, yeah, follow along and make sure you follow the Perth links as well. Um, but yeah, I hope to see you guys at some of our games this season. Um, and yeah, thank you for having me, Eric. Really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. The last thing I'm going to hit you up with, and now the question Mount knows, if I am that young young kid, uh, girl or boy, um, wanting to get into basketball, what's the best way for me to do it? Oh, absolutely. Um, go down to any stadium. There's so many around Perth. Get some shots up. Have some fun. Talk to your friends. There's a whole bunch of domestic leagues and uh, obviously Wobble as well. We actually have state champs coming up really soon as well um that i know of but yeah just find like a local team to join they're absolutely everywhere and yeah see where it takes you from there yeah definitely because there's a, as much as that nbl one season ends as you still if you're following along on instagram and whatnot you see a lot of those competitions still going still going with the juniors getting right into the the business ends of their season so thank you again chloe i uh, really have appreciated your time and and um, you get to tick off the list being the first uh, guest on our podcast and then Honestly, I'm very stoked because I don't think there was a better way to start given um, the story that you, you've had to share. And, and there's still a lot more chapters to be written in that book. So, again, thanks a lot for your time, Chloe, and uh, good luck for the season ahead. Thank you. Have a good day, Eric. Thank you again to Chloe for her time. That was a really insightful interview and as I mentioned there throughout the conversation really is sort of the um, the poster child of what that basketball pathway looks like uh, you know obviously it's WA centric but I think there's stories just like it and pathways just like it around the country you, you start playing for your local side you work your way up through the camps and the tryouts and then you make your way onto those potential squads and then who knows where the game can take you. So I uh, really am appreciative of uh, Chloe sharing her story. If you want to get involved with basketball, uh, Basketball Australia website uh, has a lot of great resources in terms of your local programs and how to get involved. Or as Chloe said, just get down to your uh, one of your local rec centres. They've got so many different types of competitions on that, you know, whether it's a social hit out or whether or not it is something that you want to pursue seriously and look at tryouts and, and look at getting involved like, that they're always going to be the uh, the best people there to, to help you out. The great atmospheres, great clubs, and and it's just a yeah a wonderful community. So uh, for Chloe, uh, obviously a big part of the Perth Lynx season for this year's WNBL. So make sure you're following along on the socials there, as mentioned at WNBL. She of course is a big part of the Perth Lynx squad, um, so you can follow at Perth Lynx and the regular season there. For the WNBL, I know they're working hard in the preseason now, getting the reps in, but the regular season starts November 1. Take a look at the websites. A lot of membership options, a lot of ticket options. Give it a crack. As as someone who just uh, really got into the scene in the last couple of years and, you know, I get full-fledged diving in, um, I can't speak highly enough there for the the quality of the games, and, and it's just a wonderful game day experience as well. So there you go. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show, we'd have a 
you know, a couple of different segments we'll try out. So we'll finish off on, well, I was going to say a high note, but uh, on a new segment. Well, technically they're all new because it's the first episode, but it's a new segment based on Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Help me to help you, Barbie. Help me to help you. Help me to help you. Help me to help you. But we're going to put a little twist on it. We're going to say, help me to help me. So help me to help me. Well, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's it's something that I don't quite get. And, you know, we probably won't find the answers to them uh, in our little podcast or, you know, in the week following. But just something that's been on my mind and, you know, something I'd like to open up to the listenership. So um, just to, that was a really tough word to say, listenership. I just added an err to it. It sounded like I had marbles in my mouth. Great start for the segment. But basically for us to think about why why does it happen or, or how does it happen or what does it happen and you know just have a think about it like that and uh, you know maybe share some thoughts in the uh, <laughs> ironic when you get to the topic for this one but um the, the comments below so uh with that in mind my topic today for help me to help me is the comment section why what is it and why do we look at it because it might be like one of the most toxic places, probably the most toxic place in the world since Chernobyl. It's nothing good comes from the comment section. It just seems as though anybody who is going on the internet there to put the comment on seems to have a negative skew. Maybe I've got a negative circle. Maybe Facebook thinks I need more negativity in my life. I don't know. But first of all, it shows my age that I'm still on Facebook. There we go. But I guess this was really, uh, I don't want to say triggered, because, you know, it can be taken as, you know, the wrong terminology, but uh, what what prompted this for me was, um, about a week or so ago, there was the uh, Frio versus West Coast AFLW uh, scores. They just did a post, here's the full-time score. And you can imagine where this is going. You've got every Tom, Dick and Harry going, oh, why don't you post the full-time score? Ah. Uh, guys, you haven't updated it. Oh, when they want the same money. Obviously, if you've got a voice like that, I'm sorry. That's just the voices I went to. And if it does sound like something you would say, well, then I don't apologize. But I just, obviously, the whole conversation about AFLWs is a much bigger conversation for uh, for another day. And hopefully we've got some guests in the, in the coming weeks who can really sort of set the scene as to AFLW, where it began, even before an official National League as such, and where it's got to. And if you're going to compare it to the game that's been uh, fostered and developed and given all the attention and love and money and, and all of that sort of thing for for centuries and try and compare it to this thing that's really only been given the full weight of support in the last five to ten years, and even that is probably a, a, um, a gilded edge to say that because there's still a lot of areas that that support can pick up and be extended to talking about uh, not only the AFLW competition itself but uh, looking at the the lower leagues that feed into that the whole debate about you know how much revenue um, should go that way to really support if, if you know the powers that be as it were wanted to truly get behind it that's uh, that's a digression and, and I'm sort of taking it away from what the help me to help me is so but it was just, what what joy 
the joy's not going to be coming out of what you're doing there. You're trying to be a smart aleck. You're trying to, I don't know, get a reaction there. And, and I guess they're getting it in the form of this this soliloquy here. But I just don't get, like, if someone comes back and says, well, the game's developing, guys. Uh, I don't know why I gave them a cartoon voice, but someone's sticking up for it. Is that what that person wants in the in the comment section? Is that they're, they're like, oh, oh, here we go. Got one on the line. Just fishing. Get relaxed, pal. It's okay. Again, these voices don't know where they're coming from. But is that is that the ultimate goal? Or, you know, what's the thinking behind it? So, and I'd love to sit here all high and mighty, you know, just going, these commenters on Facebook. Again, another voice. Um, I would never stoop to such things. And I was terrible for it when I was younger. I, and, you know, it's almost a running meme or joke with my mates now. And the fact that I was a truly awful person, and that shouldn't be a joke, but I was a truly awful person about 10 years ago when Stephen Peter Devereux-Smith was coming on the scene of the Australian cricket scene, and uh, love me some Stephen Peter Devereux-Smith right now, fickle as I am, but when I was younger and he was first getting selected, I would just say the most vile things on social media, and not even just like, why are they picking this so-and-so, but I'd tag him in it, like what... I'd love to say, oh, well, you know, there was some traumatic stuff that happened. And I was a, a different person when I was younger. I was angry and, and, you know, and I'd love to blame things that happened and, and have a cop out like that. But at the end of the day, I was still that jerk who was who was posting those things and posting them at. And, like, that was probably in a day where Twitter was probably a little bit more streamlined. And um, yeah, I don't think Steve Smith necessarily gives us stuff these days. He's doing well. He's good. The, the best batsman since Bradman for many. Uh, I'll still have Ricky Ponting up there, but again, that's showing my age. But what was I trying to accomplish? I can't even think about it. Like, was I hoping he'd reply and go, well, I'll show you, you'll see. Or, oh, I can't believe you would say that, Eric. I know that you are a, you know, part cricketer, so you must really know what you're talking about. I'm going to give the game away. You've got me. So I guess, is it, is it some sort of chemical reaction that happens in our brains? Is it the old quote-unquote tall poppy syndrome in Australia that we suffer from? And Well, I don't think it's an Australian thing now. I think it's worldwide. So um, is there a chemical reaction that comes into our brain about going, hey, here's something or something lesser than me. I'm going to take a proverbial dump ski on it. Um, so that's, I guess that's what I've been thinking about is how do we fix that? Uh, there's always been talk about trolls on social media. It just seems as though every, uh, I guess, whether it's political satire or you know any uh, social commentary show, podcast, whatever it is, always takes a stab at this. They go, well, here's what we do. We just make sure everyone identifies themselves. Okay, cool. If I put my name to it, I won't be as liable to say awful things. I don't know if that's the case. And I'm clearly not as IT or tech savvy enough to go, well, here's all the, you know, the, I was going to say ad blockers, but whatever you would do to sort of filter out comments like that, because you can't have people 24-7 just sitting there glued to a screen waiting for, for code words and things like that, because that's just not possible. Can AI do it? Who knows? I, uh, the logic's infallible. I don't want an iRobot situation. Uh, that, that's, a, again, another story for another day. Hopefully you come back next week and I can tell all these stories, like the book place, the stories from the reading chair. But, um are you trying to impress your mates? Are you trying to impress yourself? Uh, I just don't understand what the, the rationale is for it. So um, if you've got any theories on it, um, whether it is why people 
I was going to say why people are jerks. Sorry, Mr. Simpson, some people are just jerks. Um, no, I guess any thoughts or comments as to why people do it, um, uh, what solutions there possibly could be. I'm, I'm all for it. I'd love to talk about it more. And, and if you know someone who's maybe an expert in the trade for it, please uh, hook them up because, uh, yeah, it's definitely something that I would like to be helped on. I mean, uh, you see, even in recent times, some horrible, horrible, horrible stories about uh, not only athletes, but, you know, celebrities and, and, you know, not to say athletes and celebrities are above or below or whatever, but, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, they're in the quote-unquote real world that, that suffer from it as well, but um, those mental health issues, and if you've got, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry just attacking you from all sides, well, it's just not going to help, is it? So, I don't know, food for thought, help me to help me. Well, that brings us to the end of our first episode. And uh, just like Dido, I just want to thank you uh, for sticking around. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed what you've heard. Uh, hopefully you come back next week. Hopefully I don't have to put up the white flag. Um, really enjoyed putting this together. Uh, the chat with Chloe was amazing. And looking forward, we've got some really great guests lined up in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah, no, no spoilers, but uh, some really, really fascinating stories and some really, really fascinating advice as well. So make sure you're still tuned in on that dial again outdated reference but um follow along with us wherever you get your podcasts we're on uh, all of the ones that your rss feed goes to on the instagram it's at hey pal i'm coachable on x x anyway but you know let's adapt to the world but on x uh it's hey pal pod uh just because you know too too many characters for the dance floor there on on x um and also again as i mentioned at the top of the show if you you got a story you want to share any comments feedbacks please uh this is a brand new endeavor for me and and when i say endeavor it's not uh, founded by multi-billionaires who are going to tie you to the railroad tracks so it's completely a sort of a, a a solo production in terms of putting it together please give me your feedback because uh i can only be as good as you uh you tell me to be and uh i don't know what i don't know uh, when I say it was a me production, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, a couple of people who've really helped me get this first episode um, up on the uh, on the airwaves, as it were. Outdated reference. Um, so to Rick, to Adam, uh, to Jacinta as well, to our guests who've participated. Uh, they know how they've helped me out, and um, Paul Goldie as well. And also to my housemate who's been doing his very best not to trip over land cables and putting up right now with me making a lot of noise when I don't think he's feeling that well. So thank you to everyone who's helped so far. Hopefully it's the start of a uh, wonderful journey of, uh, of learning together and, and hopefully, as I mentioned again towards the top, an enjoyable part of your podcast rotation. So on that note, I've been Eric McFarlane. I still am Eric McFarlane. Last time I checked, thank you for your company and we'll see you next time on Hey Pal, I'm Coachable.